and this is Talking Pictures, our weekly review of movies and film. I'm Hollis Monroe. Joining us once again, this time from the seclusion of the depths of the Kirkwood Film Vault, is Professor Film Encyclopedia Brown. Hello out there, or over there. And having returned again to our embrace from another globe-trotting Sherlockian expedition is the marvelous Monica Schmidt. Oh, thanks, Hollis. It's great to be back from New York. We're going to start with your film. Um, this is a film I've only heard a little bit about, but it's getting incredible Oscar buzz and nominations. Oh, yes. Um, and we're talking about um, we're talking about Celine Song's film, Past Lives. Um, now, this is a, um, a, a film that is uh, both in Korean and in English. And so, um, you know, kind of a, war- a warning to those who don't like to watch subtitles. You're going to need to watch subtitles. But, oh, my God, is it worth it? <laughs> uh, Past Lives is uh, the story of, um, of two schoolmates, uh, a young girl by the name of Na Young and um, her friend um, Hai Sung, um, who are schoolmates and best friends. And they end up um, walking. Um, they often walk back home from school together. Um, they're best buddies. They're, they hang out. You know, they, they play. They have fun. And when um, Na is about 12 years old, she and her family ends up emigrating to Canada and then eventually to New York um, to be with her parents. Um, whereas Hai Sung continues to live in North Korea, he continues to live in Korea, and um, he basically ends up living his life, and she ends up living hers. Um, you know, and so it's kind of um, you know two schoolmates who grew up together, who um, in their early teen years, you know, end up separating because of life circumstances, and um, they end up finding each other online, and um, you know that um, chemistry that they had when they were kids, you know, is continued. Um, and then, you know, so the film kind of bounces between, um, you know, current day uh, when they were 12 years old and then when they were 24 years old. Um, so it's kind of the different points in their lives, um, you know, and um, basically the different shapes that their relationships take. What's beautiful about this is that it, it really shows what it's like for somebody to move, let's just say, maybe from the Eastern world to the Western world and just kind of how westernize and you know that they become and how much uh, American um, and Canadian culture has influenced someone um, and changed their trajectory and changed their wants and their values and their morals and their ethics Um, but uh, more than that it's it's a it's a love story but it's a love story about two people who desperately love each other but cannot be together because of life circumstances it's a slow burn it's beautiful, um, incredible performances, um, beautiful screenplay, and oh man, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was I was in a puddle um, tor- at the end of the film, <laughs> an absolute puddle. And um, I'm I'm not one who cries too easily over sentimental films, um, and so um, you know I highly endorse Past Lives. Um, it was nominated for best um, original screenplay uh, for um, Celine Song as well as best uh, um, best picture, and. Um, I can understand why. Um, with all the other films that I've seen this year, and even though a few weeks ago I included you know, my top four for the wrap-up, Past Lives, I think, ekes in um, in my top five for this past year. Um, I was incredibly impressed by it, and um, you know, it was just intelligently and beautifully and emotionally intelligently written. 
Um, I can't highly re- or I can't recommend this film enough. That sounds like a must watch. Oh, absolutely must watch. Okay, thank you. Film, we're going to go into a deeper dive on Nicolas Cage's uh, most recent effort, Dream Scenario. Yes, Dream Scenario. It's an A24 uh, production, and uh, we have come to expect quite a bit out of A24 these days. That we have. It is, yes. And Ari Aster is the producer of the film as well. So there's some good pedigree going on behind here. Very much. The film is directed and written by Christopher Borgley, which I don't know much about, Mm -hmm. uh, but he does a remarkable job with this film, Dream Scenario. What we have here is a story, okay, Nicolas Cage, you know I'm in line when Cage appears in things, so there I was, uh, <laughs> waiting to see Nicolas Cage playing Paul Matthews, who is this sort of uh, a nowhere man type of guy. He's, uh, he, he's sort of ineffectual in his family life. He's, uh, he's a, a tenured professor at sort of a medium-sized college teaching evolutionary biology, and his students sort of just dismiss him. He, he seems trapped. He seems uh, sort of very anonymous, and he, his goal is is to try to publish a book, and that's the way that he wants to make himself known to the world through publishing. Mm-hmm. Well, as it turns out, he starts popping up in people's dreams. Very strangely, uh, he uh, people start accounting like saying, hey, don't I know you? Uh, I dreamt about you last night. And the number of people that he run into proliferates to the point of like almost – it becomes a worldwide phenomenon. People seeing uh, this Paul Matthews in his in their dreams. Now, ironically, I guess the kind of figure that he appears in in the dreams initially, he's just sort of an anonymous bystander who watches their whatever their fantasies are or whatever their nightmares are, and he just doesn't intercede. He just watches. So they. Uh, the next time we see him later on, he, he goes to his class. The first time we see him in his class, they're kind of like poo-pooing him. But the next time we see him in his class, all the students have accounted that they, yes, have seen him in their dreams. Mm-hmm. And he becomes like the big popular guy. And uh, you see news items uh, out on television and things about Paul uh, Matthews and his, his, his ability, his what? His seeping into people's consciousnesses or subconsciousnesses. Uh, Companies try to clamber onto him. They want to do some uh, brand placement so that hmm. when he appears in people's dreams, like he'll have a bottle of uh, soda or something like that. <laughs> or wearing uh, like a Nike shirt or something. Yeah, that's right. Something to advertise. Well, this continues on. He, he, he's trying to work book deals and things like that. Uh, that's his big goal still. But slowly, he starts to become a participant in these people's dreams. He starts entering their fantasies, sexual fantasies, and he starts to brutalize the people that are uh, that are dreaming uh, him or having him in their dreams, which the whole thing flips on a dime or on a quarter, if you will. And now he's a reviled figure. People, uh, students are, you know, uh, no longer will go to class. Uh, he becomes sort of a, a somebody who is a, a pariah. And he is uh, locked out of other people's lives. And I'm not going to be able to go much further in what happens next with the the evolution of his dream states. But there are some remarkable things that occur. Uh, The hallmark of this film, of course, is Nicolas Cage. Cage never does disappoint. Even in pieces of crap, he is wonderful. Uh, In this one here, he is fantastic, playing this figure and this sort of uh, befuddled figure. The, the film reminds me, I don't know if you remember a 1935 film called Peter Ibbotson, 
uh, with uh, 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 Gary Cooper, uh, who plays this uh, uh, guy who can only enter, uh, you know, can enter the dreams of this uh, his uh, this woman, and they both enter into dreams and they they entertain a kind of a dream liveness rather than in real life. Likewise, it also reminds of Freddy Krueger. Now, Freddy mm-hmm. Krueger from the Nightmare on Elm Street also enters into this because at one point he does get a book that's published and they don't publish it the way he wanted it. They change things and so on. But he goes to sign copies and people bring uh, Freddy Krueger fingernails for him to to uh, <laughs> to wear while they get these pictures taken of him. And he's like, I don't want that. Uh, but he is uh, he, he reluctantly uh, gives into that. Um, it reminds me in some ways, without the body horror aspect, some things that maybe Cronenberg uh, would maybe that. do with the, the aspects of dream life, that uh, that oneric uh, threshold world. I'm minded of uh, the world? Dennis Quaid film, Dreamscape. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, <clears throat> yes. Uh, uh, there are a number of good films to deal with the dream lifeness or the idea of being able to capture people's dreams and experience those dreams as captured reality. Uh, and obviously, in most cases, they turn out to be very, what, uh, dystopian or very Faustian uh, in the uh, what you get is what you get. And maybe you're not going to like what you get. And certainly what happens to uh, uh, Paul Matthews at the end of the film, very tragic, very uh, moving. Uh, I found myself brought to tears to a certain extent. Uh, I didn't cry, but I, I was brought to it. And uh, I really highly recommend the uh dream scenario what a fun film uh, uh, to uh, chew on one question do they ever explain the dream scenario effect no. as to why it's happening okay no well they kind of do because and this is something i don't want to get into it's more to the end of the film okay but they do discover uh ways for other people i'll go this far they do discover other ways for other people to enter into other people's dreams and to place ads <laughs> okay so of course uh, they did yes yes you knew that was going to be satisfying. of course of course <laughs> oh well thank you so much folks we're going to know what you're watching tell us what you're giving thumbs up or thumbs down our email address is talkingpicks at kcck.org <laughs>